Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hochberg, and this is episode number 273. If you're planning your first Royal Caribbean vacation, we think we've got some tips that will help you save time and money to make the most of your trip. We've also included some ideas that you may not consider when making your vacation plans, but even if you plan many a Royal Caribbean cruise, we'd love it if you check out this week's podcast, too, then chime in with your top tip for Royal Caribbean cruise planning. Here we go. On our last Royal Caribbean cruise, we noticed that there were seemed to be a lot of people who didn't know about a couple of easy ways to avoid making a few mistakes on their vacation. So today, we're going to be going over some of our favorite tips on how to make the most out of a Royal Caribbean cruise that we got asked pretty often, in fact, or we've seen other people have issues with. And this week's episode of the podcast is actually being recorded live. We actually invited our some of our readers and listeners to come join us on Periscope and call in with this. So we're very excited for this opportunity to be able to share with you guys a live uh, opportunity to call in and be a part of the show because I got a lot. I'm going to talk number one. My, I got like 10 things I came up with off the bat of rookie mistakes. Uh, number one, trying to do everything on board. You know, I, you watch a Royal Caribbean commercial. You go on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. You go on Facebook. You you you. The second you learn anything about your cruise, boy, you get excited. Boy, you have the opportunity to learn a lot of cool things about your ship. And then when you get on board, what do you want to do? You want to do it all, right? I want to go do the flow rider, and I want to go on the zip line. I want to go North Star, and I want to go eat in all the specialty restaurants, and I want to meet Michael Poole, and I want to do all these cool things. Like, you know, it, it, <laughs> it's like it can be overwhelming. And a lot of first-time cruisers, I feel, try to do too much. They try to do it all. And the reality is you can't. You can't do it on one sailing anyway. Um, it just doesn't work that way. So... That's probably, I would say, mistake number one that I see people trying trying to do it all. And the reality is the, the, the way to get around that is to pace yourself. And understand you can't do it all in one cruise, which is okay. That just gives you an opportunity to, you know, uh, to, 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 to go back again and again and again. Because that's what's so great about these ships, right? Whether you're talking about what's available on board or what's available um, in, the, uh, uh, in the ports you're visiting. There's a lot of great things over there. So that's my number one thing. Uh, Number two, trying to do too much on embarkation day with kids. This is one that I learned personally the hard way because... We, when I first started cruising, I started cruising with my fam, with my wife, right? I actually started cruising with myself and then with my wife, and we did it as a couple. And cruising with a couple is very different than cruising with kids. Once you have kids into the equation, a lot changes. Um, and what I mean by that is it the dynamic of it does, and you have to really go at their pace. And for many years, we just tried to, I don't want to say ignore it, but we certainly still went at the same pace we did before. And recently we said, okay, we're making a mistake here. And that is trying to have the kids, especially young kids, be a bit, you know, go on a spa tour and, you know, just walk around the ship. They don't care. They just want to go in the pool. They, they've got that excitement and energy just as much as we do, but they've got to, uh, what's the word, you know, uh, they have to spend it in another way. Um, so, especially on embarkation day, it's really important to kind of put it back. I don't want to say even put it in first gear because not to say you have to sit around with them, but, you know, make sure you're including them, especially in the beginning. To be able to, um, to be able to, uh, you know, enjoy the experience as well, and that really I feel leads to a better overall experience because they feel involved and they can do things that are fun for them. And look, if they're having a good time, 
hey, it's not to say as a parent we can't, uh, you know, <laughs> have a have a drink while they're doing that thing or, you know, uh, playing in the pool or uh, wherever they happen to be doing. So there you go. All right. Well, with that being said, I've got two off the bat, but I want to hear from some of our listeners. Let's bring our first uh, caller in. It's John from Austin, Texas. Uh, we've got uh, John online. John Bamber, what's going on? Uh, in with your topic uh, today about first-time cruiser rookie mistakes uh, or some derivation thereof, I, I think one of the big mistakes is not booking shore excursions in a port you've never been to. Because I am someone who loves structure, and you know, I like to know what I'm doing when I go someplace, and I'm not very good at just getting off the ship and going with the flow. So, you know, I, I had not been, to, for example, when I was in Bermuda on Anthem uh, in 2017, I hadn't been to Bermuda in probably 10 years, and I made the mistake of not booking a shore excursion. I just rented a scooter and kind of putted around because I know I wanted to go to uh, Horseshoe Bay, but I didn't know how to get there. I didn't know what I wanted to do afterwards. So I, uh, I think I would have rather book an excursion so I could have had a you know kind of dedicated transport to get over there and and you know kind of have a little more structure there. But I think there's a lot you can get a lot more out of a port stop by um, by booking a shore excursion or at least seeing what the different opportunities are that are available. Absolutely, John. That's a great tip, especially just doing your research for the ports you're visiting. You know, the places you're going, whether it's Nassau or Rome or or Sydney or anywhere in the world, it only behooves you to learn about those places, what's there to do, and then be able to make an informed decision, just like you said. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. So, yeah, Thanks, that's, uh, that, that's my tip there. So, you guys have a great night. Thanks, Sean. I, Take care, Mike. I don't know why I voice cracked there, but <laughs> here we go. Uh, let's go to our next uh, next person on the line, back on line two. We've got Ken joining us here. Hello, Ken. Hello, Matt. It's Ken Jarvis from RC Periscopers. Woohoo! Joining us live from the bunker in Queens. I'm actually in the Philippines, but <laughs> <laughs> pretty Philippines, close. Queens, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Overseas, I like it. Uh, so, uh, let's talk about cruising mistakes. Now, Ken, you've got, I'm sure you, is your rookie mistake not staying in the Royal suite? That would be a mistake, but <laughs> really my mistake that, that most first time cruisers take is over packing. Oh yes. You know, when you, when you make the spreadsheet, you say, wow, I need an outfit for the morning. I need one for the afternoon and then something at night. If you're doing a seven-day cruise, that's 21 outfits, that's probably three or four suitcases, and you just don't need that many clothes. Overpacking is a huge rookie mistake. Cruise Life, Rick, are you listening to this? Because it's Ken is absolutely true that it's uh, overpacking. And by the way, I am guilty of overpacking. I still do it to this day. I try not to. But at least be cognizant of overpacking. And remember, you can re-wear clothing. It's enough for washing. I, I think that that was definitely on my list as well as overpacking. It's You don't need to have a outfit for every three hours. That's definitely true. Exactly. You're not Diana Ross. You're not going to change three times a day. <laughs> awesome, Ken. Thanks so much for the help. Right, I love this. we got some great tips over here. Um, also, I'm going to say another one. This is controversial. So brace yourselves for this next rookie mistake Booking a three-night cruise, it's a mistake. And if you're saying, well, Matt, I'm a first-time cruiser. I want to just get my feet wet. 
it's not like taking a bite of a sandwich. You gotta to actually understand and appreciate and really be able to embrace cruising and really get a feel for it. You gotta go for longer than three nights. And while three night cruises are, you know, certainly uh, I think naturally appealing to first time cruisers, if you're listening to this and you're a first time cruiser, I would highly recommend you perhaps look at some other option, a longer sailing. If you can do six or seven nights or longer, that's great. The longer you go, I don't you don't have to go 14 nights, don't go, don't go crazy on it, but as long as you have, you know, five, six, seven nights, that gives you an opportunity to mix in day, uh, ports, you know, port stop days along with sea days, and that really gives you a good sense of what cruising is all about. So I'm going to say three-night cruises are mistakes for, for first-time cruisers, but all right, let's keep things rolling over here. We've got, I think on line four, we're going to talk to Jessica from Bristol, Connecticut. If I can click the right button over there, there we are. Hello, Jessica. Hi. How's it going today? It's going really well. How are you? I am really well. So what what's on your mind? What do you, what is a rookie mistake? Rookie cruising mistake that you've seen and or done yourself? Uh, my husband and I on our honeymoon did the chef's table at Anthem of the Seas and we didn't have a drink package, so we got super excited that the drinks were included with a chef's table and we drank so much that we couldn't partake in activities the next day. <laughs> and we, <laughs> and I missed iFly. I was so bummed because we had reservations for iFly and we didn't bring like Gatorade or even look for Gatorade the next day, or they have like teas that you can drink that help with like hangover like, we didn't do anything like that, so we just, like, overly indulged at the chef's table, and I think that's something that you don't even realize is happening, because they just keep bringing everything out to you, because it's chef's table, but yeah, I might have, we might have held back a little bit if we knew how much they would have kept bringing out to us. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that, and that's something that, look, hey, you're you're in the moment, right? You're enjoying yourselves, and it's something you've been looking forward to. You do the an experience like the chef's table, and you don't want to be rude. They're serving you wine. Why not? And one leads to yeah. two, two leads to four, and four leads to, you know, you miss the whole morning of the next day. But at least you have a good story for it, right? <laughs> yeah, it was definitely worth it. And we're doing chef's table. We go back on Anthem this Thanksgiving. We're doing it again on the first night to kick it off. But uh, nice. we might hold back just a little bit more this time. Yeah, or like eat a bowl of spaghetti or something beforehand to get those carbs ready to soak in all the alcohol. absolutely awesome well jessica thank you for calling in with your rookie mistake all right thank you awesome great one right there i love it let's keep things rolling with our next caller we've got jody from los angeles on the line welcome jody hello matt and hello everybody how are you i am wonderful how are you jody I'm back. Thank you. So my rookie mistake is, and I'm a planner as well, and you research your port and you book the perfect excursion and you're just so excited, but stuff happens and the ship can change itinerary or the tour can cancel because you were the only person that signed up for it. So my advice or my rookie mistake is don't get too excited for the one thing and let that ruin your cruise because that one thing may not happen and the ship may go to six different ports that you weren't even planning for, but at least you got to go to six different ports that you weren't planning for and that's better than going to work. So just 
um, be chill about things. Um, I'm sure the ship wanted to go where you wanted to go, but sometimes it just doesn't. That's right, and that's a great that's a great tip right there because I have that on my list of I called it sweating little things, Jody. But you're right. I mean, in your example, do you have any control over if it rains and that means your your excursion is canceled or there's a problem with the winds and you can't tender or you know there's nothing you can do about it, right? It's not you can't control the weather, you can't control certain things, so you got to have this almost case sera sera approach to it. It's okay to be disappointed. I mean, that's that's natural. But don't let it ruin your cruise. Don't let it become a snowball effect of, you know, of, of, of it just being like, oh, well, the whole cruise is ruined, right? Hashtag cruise ruined. Like, don't be that guy. Right. Let it, you know, just have a, have a, like you said, Jody, have a just to kind of take it easy and let, let, you know, and just enjoy, look at the bright side of things that you are visiting these awesome places. You're still on vacation. You're still on a cruise. Like, everybody listening to this podcast would love to be in your situation. So it's, you know, not too bad. Yeah, don't go to guest services and yell at them. They didn't cause it, so right. don't make them. It just stuff happens. They wouldn't Absolutely. say stuff happens unless stuff happens. <laughs> awesome, Jody. Well, thank you so much for calling in. Okay, thanks. Bye, everybody. All right, I love this. We've got next on the line. We had Jody before. Now we have Judy from Wisconsin. Um, uh, so, Judy, you want to talk about something about the day of sailing, huh? Yes, Matt. This is Carson to the J. So, you know, this is Judy. And I am calling because my rookie mistake was coming in or flying in the day of embarkation. Oh, my God. It was really crazy that first day. And by the time, and at that time, I don't know, some people know who I am, but at that time, I didn't have real short hair. I had longer hair. And by the time, and we didn't know there was pictures that were going to be taken either. So by the time we got to the port and got checked in and all that, we were a hot mess. (laughs) Just a complete (laughs) hot mess. (laughs) And then we took pictures because coming from a cold state, going to a warm state, so we were dressed like it was still a cold state, so we were hot. I mean, just hot, and then having to stand in line and then go through the whole process. And then at the end point, taking a picture, like I said, we were a hot mess by then. So after that first time, no longer we come in the day before we embark to make sure that we're comfortable, that we have enough time, and that uh, it's smooth sailing going through. And by the time we take our pictures, it looks like we're ready to cruise. Instead of frowning on a picture, we're smiling now on a picture. (laughs) Absolutely. That's a great tip. And I often tell people that, you know, we've all seen those videos of people losing their mind in like an airport, you know, because the flight's canceled and now their whole trip is ruined. Mm -hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. travel delays and flat tires and kids throwing up, it all happens, right? There's nothing you can do to anticipate it. Yeah, yeah. But to your point, if you come in at least a day ahead of time to to your port of embarkation, you know, you can pad yourself. You can guard against those kind of problems. So if your flight is canceled... Okay, well, that's disappointing, but at least you're not going to miss the cruise. And uh, right, you know, I, I think that's exactly what you're talking about here. And Judy, I agree a thousand percent. Don't fly in. Don't travel to the cruise port the day of your cruise. Give yourself at least an extra day. Plus, you can start your vacation a little bit earlier if you do that. Correct, correct. And then also, if you're coming from a cold state, you're you know you never know when it's going to snow. And then, too, one other time uh, that we got caught in, and I don't recall which hurricane it was, but we got caught where um, there was a hurricane. We couldn't even fly in until the next day, but the ship didn't come in until the next day, so we were okay that way. But those kinds of things happen. And so, um, 
that that definitely helped us that we were trying to get in a day ahead of time, but it ended up working our way for that second time with the hurricane. But that first time, definitely it was because we did not plan accordingly because we didn't know. But now we do. That's that's a great point, Judy, and I'm so glad you brought that up. It's it's such an important one. I mean, you know, weather happens, and especially you know in summertime, you have thunderstorms, you have you know hurricanes. In the wintertime, you know, it, it obviously you can have snowstorms. If you're in Canada, well, it snows there all year round, so it's just constant <laughs> blizzards. But, <laughs> but um, in all seriousness, if it uh, you know if you're dealing with these kind of conditions here, don't let don't let that don't roll the dice on good weather um, because. Right. You know, or it's just it's not worth the risk. I know it costs maybe an extra hotel room, but it's way it's much better than the alternative. So, Judy, I, I agree 100 percent with you. Definitely. And so, but Matt, I'll enjoy everything and I'm going to listen to the rest of this podcast and hopefully everyone else is having a good night and good night, everyone. Awesome. Judy, thank you so much for the great uh, observations. Thank you. Sure. OK, take care. Love that. I got a couple more on my list also. I was just thinking about something that uh, Judy... Actually, I didn't even think about what Judy wrote. That is a great tip. We talked about overpacking. Ken talked about that one. We're relying too much on elevators. This is actually a rookie mistake that will help your, your waistline. You know, you keep the keep the pounds off because the odds are if you're on a cruise and you're like me, you're going to be eating a lot. And an easy way to uh, maybe burn off a couple extra calories is to take the stairs. There are stairs... And all the elevator bank areas. Uh, going from a couple decks is really easy, actually. It's not like your office building that is this, like, you know, dank <laughs> stairwell where it's like you don't want to be in there. No, it's pretty easy. Actually, in most cases, getting just two or three floors up or down is way faster than taking the elevator. So definitely use these stairs whenever you can. People do it. Uh, I think people go for the elevator or the stairs rather instead of the elevator because of for health reasons and also to avoid the frustration of oh when's that elevator gonna get here you yeah. know so it maybe even be a better experience um, to be able to to do that so uh, there you go and I also had one more I wanted to talk about which was uh, not meeting more cruisers and this was something that honestly I dealt with as well when I uh, started cruising and it, it's a Believe it or not, I still struggle with this a little bit. You know, imagine the scenario, you're in the schooner bar, trivia is about to start, right? You have the option of, you walk in, there's some couple couples sitting around, but the natural tendency, I think, is to go grab the paper and sit in by yourself. But introduce yourself to other cruisers, meet other cruisers. Meeting other cruisers is a mistake, uh, or not meeting other cruisers, rather, is a mistake because there's so many great people out there. You're on vacation together. You know, you you ever call like your family at home? And be like, hey, we're on a we're on a cruise right now. We're having an awesome time. And what's their response? Oh yeah, that that's that's great, Matt. Um, yeah, I gotta go. Uh, you know, I don't know, pay the bills and do all those. <laughs> no one wants to talk to you because they're they don't they're not having fun. But when you're with other people having a great time, man, that's great. Uh, I recommend perhaps meeting people uh, online via like Facebook. There's a lot of great groups that are out there for helping meet other people who are on the same sailing as you. So maybe connect people before the cruise. You never know. Maybe you'll strike up a great conversation, meet a new BFF. And also when you're on board the ship, whether you knew them before the cruise or not, again, when you're at the bar, when you're at a lounge, when you're at the restaurant, say, hey, say hi. The worst case scenario is they're like, you know, ah, hi, that's it. Okay. No, no harm, no loss. But you never know what great people you can meet on a cruise. That I would say is definitely a, uh, a mistake not to do that. Meet other cruisers. Let's go back to the phone lines. We've got actually some other uh, suggestions. We've got Eric from Atlanta on the line with us. Eric, what do you think is a is a rookie cruising mistake? Hey, Matt, how you doing? Good. Uh, 
going to the windjammer on the on embarkation. It is the absolute rookiest of rookie mistakes. It is oh. just slam packed full of people. Uh, everybody goes to the, to the windjammer. You know, zig when everybody zags. Go to the park cafe or cafe promenade, depending on what class of ship that you're on. You know, and that's a fair point. I know that there's a, there's a contention of folks like yourself who say that. You know what's funny is I still go to the Windsor Air on Embarkation Day because it's like a cruising tradition for our family. But I will admit, especially if you're coming out a little mm-hmm. later, like you're getting into your port, into your ship, rather, you're boarding, I would say, noontime or later. You're right. It can't absolutely get really busy. So you can, you know, don't feel bad about going. So don't assume the Windsor Air is the only place to go. And I think you're right about that, Eric. There's a lot of great spots. Plus, you know, some people just want to get on board. And party down, right? They want to hop in the pool. They want to get that drink package going. They don't necessarily want to have, you know, uh, go walk around the Windjammer. So, you know, going to a park cafe, going to a cafe promenade, or just grabbing a slice of pizza from Sorrento's, it's it's a easier way to get down to, uh, to you know, down to get the party started, so to speak. I, I think there's some merit to that. So, absolutely, I'm going to I'm gonna amend yours a little bit and just say don't assume that it's just the Windjammer or bust. There are other options. They can be less crowded and also be a little bit easier for you to get in and out because I think on Embarkation Day, it's so busy. There's so many things going on that they don't want to miss out on, you know, everything that's going there. So, absolutely, it's, it's, it's a great tip, Eric. Thank you for calling in with this. All right, man. Thanks. Awesome. Uh, there we go. Erica calling in. Uh, some other, some other ones. Um, arriving to the port. Speaking of embarkation day, come in here embarkation day port late. And what I mean by late is later in the day. There is definitely an ebb and a flow to cr- to the crowds on embarkation day. And we talked a little bit earlier with Judy about when to come into the port earlier, right? To come in in the you know uh, come in at least a day ahead of time. But when it's actually your cruise day to get on board the ship, I tell uh, a lot of first time cruisers don't arrive later on in the day. Don't arrive at. I try to avoid coming in past noon. I often recommend coming in at least in the 10 or 11 o'clock a.m. hours to beat the crowds because, let's face it, boarding is going to begin usually in the 11 o'clock a.m. hour anyway. And the earlier you arrive, the earlier you can get on board the ship. And that just, to me, makes a whole lot of sense for being able to, you know, uh, get a little more time on board the ship and... To quote a very good friend of mine, you know, if, if you're staying in a hotel anyway, what are you going to do? You're either going to wait in the hotel room or you can wait in the cruise terminal. May as well wait in the cruise terminal and then get on board sooner. Plus, you're going to beat those crowds because a lot of people, a majority of the cruise guests, I feel come in around lunchtime, the, the noontime or later, because maybe they're flying in, maybe they're doing a little bit of work if they're locals. Regardless, there's a lot less people in the morning. So try to get in there in the morning, not only get on board sooner, but also to avoid those crowds. And speaking of that, uh, uh, embarkation and getting on board, this is one I get questions about all the time, which is the boarding times. When you check in, do the online check-in for Royal Caribbean, any ship you're going on, Royal Caribbean at the end of it is be like, oh, here's your boarding time. But here's, that's a rookie mistake to actually listen to it. I hate to say it, but it's a mistake. You don't have to. It's, it's a suggestion, not a requirement. Show up anytime you want. I would say anytime after 10 a.m. If you can show up in the 10 or 11 a.m. hours, that's great. But don't just because it says you you your boarding time is two p.m. or one o'clock doesn't mean you can't arrive earlier than that. Those boarding times are suggestions; they're not enforced. Nobody's even gonna look at you weird if you come in earlier than that. So, absolutely uh, a good tip right over there for um for the uh, you know coming on vacation day. We got uh, actually look, I love this. So we got John Bamber back on the line with another tip, another uh, rookie mistake for first time that like first time cruisers may make. So, John, what's on your mind? Hey, Matt. So I, I had to say this, 
and I, I couldn't resist calling in for a second uh, a second thing, but booking too big of a ship for your first cruise. I know you're a big fan of the Oasis class, but I am always going to be one to uh, to challenge that because uh, I, I've been I've been on cruises with uh, two different people who was, it was their first time, and once was on Majesty, once was on Mariner. And they both said that they couldn't imagine being on anything bigger for their first time. So I think I'm going to go ahead and say this, and I know you may disagree with me. And by the way, nothing wrong with a three-night cruise, by the way, um, for someone that's never gone. Um, But I'm going to say that you shouldn't go on a ship bigger than a Voyager or Freedom class as your first time. I think because... If you are easily intimidated or if you are, you know, if, if you get overwhelmed easily, the minute you walk on the promenade, you're going to have, you're going to have overload. It's going to be crazy overload. So get, ease yourself into it. You know, there's, you know, and, and Matt, you've got a lot of great content on Royal Caribbean blog. There's a lot of great community on the forums. So, you know, those that are thinking about booking a cruise and not sure which ship to go on, don't jump right to the biggest, baddest you know, the big bad man pajama, ease your way into it. Because that way, when you get off the ship and you think about the cruise that you went on, you say, well, where can I go from here? If you go right to Oasis, you go right to Allure, Symphony, Harmony, whatever, you're already at the top. There's nowhere else to go from there. So give yourself something you can ease your way up to and enjoy the next time you go on a cruise. You're right, John, that I don't agree with you. But I will tell you that there is merit to your idea and that is this is a discussion point that i think has been debated for eons quite frankly you know what's a good ship to start with and i recommend the larger ship the oasis class the quantum class simply because uh, for for a couple of reasons one is that they offer the latest and greatest and these days new cruisers are coming to cruising based on what watching t- commercials seeing ads reading blog posts if uh, god willing um they've, you know they've, they've, they've done their research about all these amazing things you can do on a cruise ship and I would just hate for them to be turned off from cruising because they end up on, I hate to go with the extreme and say like Majesty of the Seas, but to go on a ship that doesn't have a Flowrider, a iFly, a Royal Promenade, not because you need to have those things to have a good time on a cruise. Far from it. I recognize that. But because they expect it. Uh, because they've, that's all they've been told. That's all they've been fed from a marketing standpoint. That to me, that leads to... Uh, a, a poor experience. Now, you can, I don't think you're wrong, John, that, again, to say that to go on a, a Voyager class ship, or even a Radiance class ship as your first cruise would be a mistake because those are wonderful ships. I've been on them. I love those ships as well. But I'll also tell you that I realize that um, I, as a, a veteran cruiser, I have come to appreciate different elements of what each ship offers. But I just feel like sure. first-time cruisers really... Are they have this idea in their head, and right or wrong, because a lot of times I think we all kind of change our minds about it. I just feel like, uh, you know, the wow, the thing that Royal Caribbean is so well known for, comes most often in those big ships. Now, this may change also, John. I'm going to take a step back here. With the Royal Amplified program, which is a uh, fleet-wide upgrade, revitalization that Royal Caribbean is going through, where we've seen this with Mariner of the Seas and Independence of the Seas, this may change the dynamic considerably, because now... To say that, oh, if I was going on Mariner, would that be a mistake as a first-time cruiser? I'd probably say no. And and that's kind of what we're talking about. You and I are – that's what you're talking about, John, right, of being a, a Mariner exactly, in the seas. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And and I know that I know that Royal was is kind of – their whole sort of, you know, motivation behind that is they want to appeal to the millennial cruisers that want to take 
more trips more often as opposed to fewer longer trips. So you know the you know the, the seven night on on the Oasis class is, is is great for one particular demographic, but I know their their revitalization, which I was totally going to bring up. So you, you definitely read my mind, but um, the, the re, you know they're they're bringing the, the the Voyager class and the Freedom class more current to give those wow moments and that wow factor to you know get more of a you know get more of the millennial audience that wants to you know cruise more often. So. You know, there's definitely pros and cons to both sides. I, I'll always disagree with you, just because it's kind of fun to disagree with you. But uh, you know, in a in, in a in a positive way, of course. You know, because there, there's of there's no these things. There's no right or wrong answer, really. I mean, but hopefully we can we can help uh, help people enjoy their first time cruise by you know listening to this podcast and reading uh, your blog. Absolutely, John. Well said. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Talk to you later. See ya. All right, let's uh, keep it going. We got another Texas caller in here, deep in the heart of Texas. It is Christy on the line with us. What's going on, Christy? Uh, not much. What's up, Matt? Glad to have you I on here. I think you'll probably know. Where... Oh, thanks. I think you'll probably know where I'm going this with this. But my rookie mistake is not taking your kids along with you on your cruise. Um, some of the best family vacations that we've had so far have been cruises with our daughter and. It's a really great opportunity for everybody to have a great trip because you can get some alone time very easily with Adventure Ocean or the nursery. Um, but then there's so many things with World Caribbean that you can do together as a family as well. They really do a great job of catering to families. And so, you know, whenever I hear parents say, oh, we're leaving the kids behind because we don't know what they're going to do the whole time, that's a oh. mistake. Now, sometimes you need an adult trip, but, um, you know, cruising with kids, it's great. Absolutely. Royal Caribbean is a great family cruise line, Chris. I could not agree more. I mean, so many of our memories, our family memories, have been made on cruise ships. They love it because it's fun for them. And you're right, boy, another rookie mistake is to assume that there's not enough to do on a cruise ship, adult or child. Because I'm sure you've heard the same thing about, you know, from friends or family. who are like, oh, you go on a cruise? I think I'd be bored on that. There's, I don't know if there's anything to do. I'd be trapped. And I just, <laughs> you just want to, like, shake them by, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> But you're, yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. I've never been bored on a cruise before. Absolutely. And with the kids, with Adventure Ocean, oh my gosh, so many great things to do on there. Uh, I agree a thousand percent. Bring your kids, no matter how old they are. How about one more, Chris? Let me take your step, your mistake one step further. And don't assume, oh, they need to be a certain age. Like, you know, Royal Caribbean allows for cruises out of North America. Your kids can be six months old. I brought both my kids on board when they were around six months old, and it was anything but a mistake. It was a great idea. Yeah, for sure. We did the same thing. We did six months and then a year, and then, I mean, she's about to turn four and has been on eight or nine so far. So we average about two to three a year with her, and every time it's completely different. Like, you know, they're older. They can experience more things. And they move up from the nursery to Adventure Ocean. And she talks about the Kids Club all the time. The other day she's at the front door, and I'm like, where are you going? She goes, Kids Club. And I was <laughs> like, dude, we got to be on the ship for that, you know. So, yeah. um, you know, it's just it's their vacation, too. And you might as well give them a great experience. And Royal Caribbean is great at that. So, Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate you calling in, Christy, and sharing that, because that's an absolutely uh, accurate rookie mistake. Bring the kids with you. For sure. Have a great night. Thank you. All right, I love this. We got some. Uh, I got time for a couple more if we have any more. Uh, I was gonna say, oh, here's another rookie mistake. And if there's any travel agents out there, Annette, I'm sure you're gonna be nodding and and cheering your can of of Bush beer along with this, which is booking non-refundable cruise fares. 
Not saying that's a problem, like as in a uh, you shouldn't ever do that. But as a rook as a rookie cruiser, I can't tell you how many emails, message board posts, Facebook posts I've gotten for people who are first time cruisers and they book a non refundable fare. And the reason is because I I kind of feel like first time cruisers don't quite understand the ramifications of of that fare and the change fee associated with it and the pluses and minuses. And inevitably, they may want to change their mind. So. If you're a first-time cruiser, I know it's going to cost a little bit more. Get, go with a refundable cruise fare. You just don't know until you know, right? And as you ease into cruise, I mean, let me put it this way. I'm just going to put this out here. I don't know if this means anything to you, but maybe it does. I never book non-refundable cruise fares. I just, I, I, if I have booked one, it's been like one or two, and it's been because I booked like at the last minute or something, and I knew I was going to go, right? But when I book a cruise you know, 9, 12, 16, 18 months in advance, which is, by the way, you want to book a cruise as early as you can, I always book refundable. Because quite frankly, I don't even know what my plans are going to be. But I'm telling you, book refundable cruise fares whenever possible because it just, it while it costs a little bit more than that, non-refundable, you just don't know. And it makes your life so much easier for changing plans because as first-time cruisers, you may want to change plans for a variety of reasons. So there you go. And of course, on top of that, hey, we're talking about you know, uh, 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 mistakes there, but I, uh, well, there's one more that I just thought of, which of course is something I talk about all the time on here. I think it's pretty, uh, accurate still use a travel agent. The rookie mistake is do- not using a travel agent. You definitely want to use a travel agent, especially as a first time. There's so much out there, different discounts, different options, different amenities. Oh my gosh. There's, there's a whole world of cruising out there. And as a first time cruiser, you're not expected to know it all. So why not use a travel agent who knows it all? Should know it all, I should say. And it's also going to be your partner. And, of course, it costs you nothing extra to use a travel agent. So definitely use a travel agent for uh, if you're a first-time cruiser. We have our next caller. It's Joy from Washington. Welcome, Joy. Glad to have you on here. Well, hello. How are you? Good. I'm glad to have you on here, Joy. So what do you think is a rookie mistake for a first-time cruiser? Okay. So we actually did this five years ago on Freedom. My husband and I took a red-eye. The day of, so oh we got in at about we got in at about five in the morning, and then it was another three hours before we could get on the transfers to the ship, and then it wasn't until like one o'clock before we could get a room in our room and actually take a nap. Oh, so geez. we were exhausted. So my rookie would be don't take a right eye the day of. That, I, I would say don't take a red eye ever, but yeah, that one, yours works as well. I like that because, yeah, that's that's rough. I have a I'm one of my very good friends, Michael Poole, is so notorious for booking terrible flight times, booking red eyes to get in, booking like a flight that leaves at like nine o'clock in the morning when the cruise is over, so he's got to rush like a madman to get off there. Give yourself some time. I, maybe it costs you an extra couple hundred dollars, but your sanity, your your your. <laughs> <laughs> the your life your livelihood it's, it's worth something to you don't don't go for it it's, it's you know yeah um, we are take, we are going on the the symphony group cruise and we're taking a red eye but we're taking it in on the uh, the day before so that we could justify it because we have a whole night to sleep but <laughs> we're not yeah. doing it the day of because of absolutely. That. Well, Joy, yeah. I can't wait to cruise with you on Symphony of the Seas. And I'm so glad to know that when I finally get to meet you, Joy, I'll know in the back of my mind, she didn't book a red eye. She didn't make a mistake. <laughs> nope, not this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. thank you. 
Thanks, Drew. I appreciate it. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Well, that uh, that that's some great. I would say great rookie mistakes, but great advice over there in terms of avoiding those rookie mistakes. Because uh, man, there, I mean, there's and this is just scratching the surface. I mean, there's a lot of things that I think are you know going to be uh, the kind of uh, you know mistakes that can be argued. About. You know, John brought up you know talking about you know the big ships versus small ships. You can get into the nuances of it, but there's definitely some really important. Um, things that you can avoid, some easy, low-hanging fruit to avoid. And all that's going to mean is you're going to have an opportunity to, um, you know, have a better cruise experience. I think all too often I see on the Royal Caribbean blog message boards threads that are like, oh, we had a great cruise, but I just wish we hadn't done, you know, X, Y, or Z. All right, a couple more calls here to, to, to talk about rookie mistakes. And we have our next caller on the line. Hi, who are we speaking with? Hi, this is Susan. Hey, Susan. Can you uh, do me a favor? How you doing? Your... Good. Just turn down your... Um, yeah, your... I'm trying to do that right now. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. I'm doing that right now. Okay. okay so what's on it. your mind? What's a cruising mistake in your opinion? Well, it's, it's, don't be afraid to talk to seasoned cruisers about tips and information. They're not going to think you're stupid or, you know, dummy for not knowing the stuff, but... You can get a world of information from someone who's been there and done that. And I think a lot of rookies are probably afraid to show their ignorance and not af- and are afraid to ask. Absolutely. I mean, to that point, it, you you know, Susan, you and I obviously have gone on cruises before. And if someone brings up – if someone wants to talk cruising with you, don't, doesn't it like your eyes light up? Like, yes, I will talk cruising with you. I'd love to talk about, you know, my experiences and what I do. And, like, that's like – that's so fun. So, yes, absolutely talk yeah, to the cruisers. Right, yeah, and I've I've been on over twenty cruises. I mean, over over twenty years of cruising exclusively on Royal Caribbean, and I still talk to someone, find myself saying, "Oh, well, I didn't know that." Yeah, because absolutely. there's always something that you don't know, you know, <laughs> and and it's really it enhances your experience if you can if you can find out all this information from someone who's 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 had the experience. Heck yeah, well said. Well, Susan, thank you for joining us here. Okay, thank you. Bye bye. Awesome. I think we got time for one more, maybe two more. Depends on. How many more calls we're getting? I love this, by the way. We've got to do more of these live shows where we bring in the in the um, to have you guys have a talk with me. It's way more interesting than me just reading off stuff here. But let's uh, keep it going. We've got uh, our next caller on the line with a uh, I think Andy from Oklahoma. Yes, how you doing? Good. How are you, Andy? Uh, fine. Uh, my first mistake was not doing any research before we went off the boat. We just winged it. Yes. And we thought the Windjammer Marketplace was somewhere to shop, and we spent whole seven days trying to find the buffet and never found it. I, I I often joke with folks that when people go buy a refrigerator or a washer or dryer, some appliance for their house, they may go to a place like they'll do research. They'll go to they'll go to Consumer Reports. They'll go talk to you know different people. Try to get figure out what's the best stuff out there. But when they spend thousands of dollars on a vacation, eh, we'll just show up. What could possibly go wrong? And it's you're absolutely right, Andy. It's it's a matter of you know learn you know, learn from others and have a better experience. So, and of course, this is very self serving because I happen to have a blog and a podcast about you know <laughs> learning about these kinds of things. But I really do believe you stand to benefit from it from being a you know learning from others. So do your research, absolutely. Yeah, we definitely looking back missed out so much by not researching before we went on there. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Andy, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, thank you. Thank you for everything you do, Matt. Awesome. Thank you. And there you go, guys. I think we're going to wrap things up with that call, but a lot of great, uh, I would say a lot of great rookie mistakes, a lot of good tips for avoiding 
rookie mistakes on your next Royal Caribbean cruise. All right, time to answer more of your listener emails. And I know we just actually had a bunch of people call into this episode, but I never miss an opportunity to talk even more Royal Caribbean with all of you guys. Some of the great emails we have on this week's uh, episode. So let's get right into it. And of course, if you want to send me your email, you can email it to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email is from Amy. Once out, my brother-in-law has been giving two, yes, two Royal Caribbean cruises because of the amount he gambled on the ship. Please tell me, how much did he have to spend on those slots to be gifted two Royal Caribbean cruises? So Amy's talking about the Casino Royale program, and Royal Caribbean ships have casinos on board. And if you gamble enough, you can earn certain rewards for it. Basically, it is a program that's changed a lot over the years, but it allows you to not only enjoy gambling, if that's your thing, but again, depending on how much you spend in the casino, you may qualify for certain benefits or rewards, really, of doing so. And the program has changed a lot. In fact, I remember late last year, they kind of changed it up a little bit. So a lot of this can differ, and depending on when you're listening to this, the answer may be different. In fact, the information I have, Amy, is from 2017. I'm not sure if this is still accurate, but at least to give you a ballpark idea. Now, the way that it works is it's not a match you win or lose. It's how much you spend in the casino. And uh, from what I understand, the program used to be about you get one point for every $5 spent on slots. And rewards were awarded in increments of 400 points. And to get a free cruise with an inside cabin, you have to spend about 2,400 points. And for a balcony cabin, I think it was like 4,800 points, something like that. You could do the math on what that takes. I mean, a lot of, look, there's nothing that's free in this world. And trust me, your uh, brother-in-law probably spent a fair amount of money in the casino. Whether or not he won or lost, it's a whole different story. But I mean, I wouldn't, just like the shareholder discount, people say, oh, should I get a, you know, should I invest in Royal Caribbean stock in order to get a discount on the cruise? No, you should invest in Royal Caribbean stock because you think it's a good investment. Likewise, you should gamble in the casino because you enjoy it and you think maybe there's a chance you're going to win money back and not because you're going to get any rewards out of it. I think it's just a tertiary benefit of doing so. But uh, hey, you know, if your brother-in-law is winning free cruises, I, I just hope that that's he's winning something beyond just the free cruise. Otherwise, it's really costing a lot of money. His money would be better spent elsewhere. But nonetheless, thank you for the email. Next, we have an email from Stephanie Ozine from Utah. Uh, have I found a topic you haven't talked about? I have listened to you since, well, since that other podcast. I know you talk about onboard tipping quite a bit, but I'm not sure I've heard you talk about tipping the guides on shore excursions. Do you have any rules of thumb that you have follow when you book a tour? Does it change whether you book the Royal Caribbean or an independent tour? What should people plan out for tipping for shore excursions? Thanks for everything. I love the podcast and all the information. It keeps cruising on my mind, even when I don't have anything specific planned. Stephanie, thanks for checking in. Uh, you know, that's a really good question. And I will tell you that I don't have a hard and fast rule. I do have some hard and fast rules like tipping porters, you know, and, and when, and when you're coming into the cruise port or leaving, you know, embarkation day, disembarkation day. It's almost always one to $2 a bag. But when it comes to tipping on shore excursions, honestly, it's just all over the place. I don't really have a great method that I follow or some sort of a rule. I'll tell you that it depends on the excursion, depends if it's a group excursion private excursion i definitely will tell you that if it's a private excursion i definitely tip uh, a lot more because of the nature of it i i wish i could give you any kind of rule of thumb honestly stephanie i just play it by ear kind of the you know how i feel about it how well the guy did 
how invested we were in the experience. I mean, in a situation like this, I actually looked at what Cruise Critic recommends, and they say that tour operators in port are usually independent of the cruise line. For a half-day shore excursion, give the guy 2 or 4 or $5 for a full-day excursion. Consider giving a bit more if there was especially personalized service. And don't forget the driver. Give drivers a dollar for a half-day excursions, $2 for full-day ones. I Just reading what they had posted on one of their articles there. I honestly, I just, it's just one of those like gut feelings you have, right? Sometimes they feel like they deserve five bucks. Sometimes you give them a little bit more. I have certainly tipped all over the place. It really depends on the kind of service we get and a variety of other factors. I just, I can't really give you a really good, you know, rule of thumb. I think that you should almost always tip them. Certainly, you know, it's that kind of, it's, it's a service industry. They are literally guiding you through their place and the article is correct that in almost every single case your tour operator is not an employee of Royal Caribbean even if it's a Royal Caribbean excursion I, I cannot remember a time in which we did an excursion in any port in which it was Royal Caribbean offering the tour it's almost always a third party so you know there's that to be said also I mean sometimes there's rules posted in some cases they actually say we don't accept tips it's rare especially in the Caribbean but you know look on the Look on the bus. Uh, sometimes you'll see signs posted that they're not allowed to or they are allowed to. And they maybe give you a good idea of it. But I don't know if that actually helped you, Stephanie. <laughs> Thanks for the email. Next, we have an email from Jenny Dillon from St. Augustine, Florida. Just booked in November 2018 selling at Independence of the Sea. Since we're 60 days out, I wasn't surprised to find out that the early dining time was already full. When I called Royal Caribbean, I was told the main dining was closed and didn't have a waiting list. Do you think I'd have a chance of getting early dining by visiting the dining room on embarkation day? Also... Our son will be turning five three days after we disembark. The laser tag and sky pad have an age requirement of five years old. Do you know if it's a hard requirement or could we talk to activity staff since he'll be just a few days shy of the requirement? Thanks in advance for your reply. I really enjoy your podcast. Jenny, thanks for the email. In terms of the dining, I'm really surprised there's no wait list. But yeah, the next thing I would have advised you to do is on embarkation day, go immediately to the main dining room. I would say go there. There's a head waiter on duty usually in the afternoon check the cruise compass they may be listed over there but i'd go there sooner than later i'd say probably one o'clock p.m is a really good time to head down there ask to speak the head waiter ask about a changing your dining uh you know time and assignment i really feel like it usually comes here i mean in all my years of cruising with royal caribbean i've had a really good luck with the wait list i would also tell you about the wait list one more thing call royal caribbean again I call my ladies like two or three times. There's a joke online that, you know, if you don't get the answer you want from Royal Caribbeans when you call a phone number, just hang up and call back until you get somebody who gives you the right answer. You know, I would give it a day or two and call back. It's already been a day or two. Who am I kidding? You sent me this email a little while ago. Call them back. Ask them again. Say, hey, you know, wonder. don't don't bring up the fact you already know the answer. You know, just say, hey, I was wondering if I could change my dining time. And, you know, I'd, I'd give it at least two or three more times of calling back to see if you can get on that wait list at the very least. The wait list is key because in my experience... All but one time, the wait list has come through. And then that one time it did not come through, I did what I recommended earlier, which is go down to the main dining room, speak to the head waiter, and that worked out pretty well. So that's definitely a great strategy. In terms of your child uh, being five years old and the sky pad a couple days before, I got to think that's fine. I mean, I'm really surprised actually it's an age requirement because usually it's a height requirement because, of course, you know, there's tall five-year-olds and there's really short five-year-olds. And I'm not sure why, you know, it wouldn't be a height requirement. Uh, in terms of the height and weight requirements, they tend to be pretty strict on that. If it's an age requirement, I mean, yeah, that's a lot more leeway there because obviously I, I don't even know how they police that. Like, how, I mean, I think you'll look it up. I understand that, but I just don't understand the. Is that that's got to be like a suggestion because obviously, like I said, you could have a really tall five year old, you could be a really short five year old. You can't tell me they both can you know experience it in the same way, but 
I digress. Anyway, uh, yeah, don't definitely ask. There's nothing wrong with asking. One of the things I always recommend is nicely asking crew members. You never know. I mean, they'll probably say, you know, the worst they're ever going to tell you is, oh, I'm sorry, madam, it's not going to happen. But, you know, it's it, it's a good idea to be able to uh, to do that. Our next email is from John Bamber. Who writes, hey, Matt, it's your pal John here. Thought I'd write a little review of my recent cruise on Enchantment of the Seas. I had a great time, and the ship is beautiful, but I didn't know some things that I thought you and the listeners would enjoy hearing about. Our itinerary had us departing from Port Canaveral on Friday, visiting Nassau on Saturday, Cocaine on Sunday, returning to Port Canaveral on Monday. Uh, definitely short cruise, but cruise director Susan had a plethora of activities planned for the entire cruise. Uh, in terms of the ship, beautiful ship, but she definitely shows her age, especially on the outside. I think a new paint job would help her shine in the Caribbean sun rather than look like she's been around the block a few times. Uh, I love the Oasis bar by the pool deck, but wish it wasn't on the same side as the smoking section. I think it's a great location, especially being right in between the two pools. It was always a hopping spot, especially while sailing between ports. The casino was too small and way too smoky. I know there is a technology out there to have a better air filtration to help control the smoke odors, but I had to leave one night while playing blackjack because my throat was burning from all the secondhand smoke. I love the Windjamer layout and location. Never had trouble finding a seat, even during the busiest times. The bar seating along the sides was a great spot to find a chair, especially cruising solo. Favorite venue on the ship, hands down, the Centrum. It feels big, yet intimate, and it, since it spans multiple decks, passengers can stop by and look or join in activities to up the fun factor. I don't think ships with a royal promenade get the same effect because being on just one level, it can get congested easily, especially during those sales at the shops. In terms of itinerary and excursions, our first stop was Nassau, and I had booked the Discover Atlantis Marine Life Magic, which evidently is the same exact thing as the regular Discover Atlantis tour. We were all combined into one large group and given the standard Discover Atlantis tour. Ricardo was a great tour guide, very informative and fun, and did well managing the fairly large group we had. I would have preferred a smaller group that just focused solely on the marine life since there was a lot to see there, and the group felt too large for the amount of space available at each of the aquarium viewing areas. The pace of the tour was pretty quick since the grounds are so extensive, so I think a smaller group just focusing on the aquariums would have been allowed us to take our time better and get more pictures in. I found myself missing picture opportunities, so I didn't get separated from the group. All in all, it was a nice tour, though. Next up was Coco Cay, one of my favorite spots. I did the Parasail Adventure Tour, and it was incredible. I had never gone parasailing before, and now I'm hooked. I can't wait to do this again on another cruise. Another cruise. Uh, it was so serene being up there. I was able to take my camera, too, and take some great pictures, including a few epic selfies with the ship in the background. The last night was the celebration of the flags, one of my favorite activities. I love to see the diversity of crew members and seeing the smiles they wave the flag and cheer their hope. I love how Royal Caribbean really knows how to make even a short cruise truly memorable. Cruise and Susan had a saying, you're not here for a long time, but you're here for a great time. Can't thank her enough for being for that being beyond true. Sorry for the long email. All in all, I had a great time, and I think smaller ships are way better for solo cruisers. I had no trouble striking up conversations with folks that I ran to several times on the ship. I even had a great time hanging with Beth and Josh, who told me about group cruising with you and the blog family, which I'm deeply excited for, and I'm already counting down the days until the Royal Caribbean blog, Symphony of the Seas, group cruise in November. John, love hearing that. Thank you for the email review due to Enchantment of the Seas, and uh, it sounds like you had an awesome time on there. Uh, I thank you for sharing with us. I think there's a lot of folks who are always interested in hearing about, you know, what state of affairs, not only on Enchantment of the Seas, but also some of those ports you visited. I love hearing about some of the things you did on, on shore. 
Next, we have an email from Cruise and Susan, who writes, We're planning our first Alaska cruise for next June, southbound on the ratings of the seas. We always get the Voom package when we cruise, but wondering if you really need it for Alaska. Since it's a port intensive cruise and it's in the U.S., I'm thinking that I'll be using my cell phone for the internet and calls and ports. How is cell service in Alaska? It seems the ship stays fairly close to shore. Would I be able to connect with cell service then? Uh, right now, I'm listening to your podcast on the internet service. I had Voom and Surf and Stream on Harmony Transatlantic and was amazed how well it worked in the middle of the Atlantic. I was able to upload pictures, download files, checking email, and making FaceTime calls. The only time I had any trouble connecting was during the meetup when the sister ships for the photo op. Royal Caribbean opened Voom for everyone for about a half an hour. During that time, I could not connect. Quite annoying since I paid for it but couldn't use it. I found the pre-cruise purchase usually saves money even with the diamond-level discount. Another tip. My cousin, who's a newbie cruiser, was on the same cruise with us, and I got the plan for two devices using my Crown and Anchor discount. I just gave her one of the access codes. It didn't matter that she was in a different cabin. Uh-huh. This is a great email, and I agree about that tip, by the way. If you buy an internet package, by the way, any internet package, you can share your internet package with anybody. Unlike the drink package, which you cannot share the benefits of, you can definitely share internet package, especially if you're going with other people. Look at those, you know, two, three, or four, even five device plans that Royal Caribbean offers for internet because the cost per device goes down significantly if you're going to buy it. And if, like, you're cruising with another couple or another family and you all know you're going to be using the internet, again, look at one of those, one person buying the package and then being able to share, you know, the there's a code you'll, you'll share with them and they can access it just as you. I think the only downside of this, of course, is that uh, if you, let's say you buy a two-device package, right, and you sign in on device A, your friend signs in on device B, right? And then you log off of device A, and then they log in on device C without logging out of device B. You're, when you try to log in back in again, it's like, oh, you have maximum devices. You have to go, you know, knock on their door. Hey, get off the internet. <laughs> it's like old school dial-up. Remember that? When I was a kid, we used to, uh, you know, we had, you had to call, you know, you had to dial in for dial-up internet. And, uh, you know, mom would be using the phone line. Like, hey, get off the phone line. Anyway, uh that's one minor thing to, to be aware of. But uh, in terms of the cell service or the Voom package and cell service in Alaska, uh, Susan, the experience in Alaska is pretty much the opposite of what you had in your transatlantic cruise. While you're in port, you're right, Susan. When you're in a port like Victoria, Canada, when you're in Skagway, when you're in Juneau, these are American... Well, Victoria's a Canadian city, but, uh, but a lot of cell plans cover Canada as well. But these are major cities or cities in the... In the grand, in the academic sense of the word, especially in Alaska, and they have a cell service there, and it's perfectly fine. But I'll tell you, the cell service is very limited. Basically, if you're downtown, it's fine. But as soon as you start venturing out, man, the cell service degrades almost immediately. I mean, Alaska is called the last frontier for a reason. There's really no cell signal outside of the cities because no one lives over there. They're not going to provide cell service for the bears and the mooses. So, moose, mooses. I'm not sure how that goes, but anyway. Uh, th- there's really little to no signal outside of the city. Likewise, even though you're sailing very close to the, to the shore, which you're absolutely true of, there's no signal. On top of that, uh, a lot of the mountains block the internet signal. When we went on Explorer the Seas of Alaska this year, the first day or so wasn't so bad with the boom. It worked fine for, like, basic internet. It's not going to be, even at its best, it'll never be like what it was on Harmony. So, temper expectations. Uh, but once we got to, I think, the first glacier... It was that was it for the internet because some people were trying to use the internet and then the signal was so weak that if we weren't in a port like Juno, Skagware, or Victoria, it was just unusable. Now that being said, I still bought it, and that being said, it's, the, it's having some bad you know, some internet even if it's really poor is, in my opinion, still better than no internet. 
but I'm also a huge nerd. I just wanted to paint that picture for you. So the answer to your question, no, your cell coverage is not going to be sufficient enough to go without one. Unless, of course, you say, well, the internet at sea is just not going to be worthwhile. You're only using it in port. And then, yes, you're absolutely right. What you have in port is perfectly fine, especially if your cell plan covers internet coverage in Canada, which most do. It's very, I feel like, I mean, I don't know what plans you have, but... At least mine does, and I feel like a lot of majority of you know major carriers here in the United States do include data and texting and phone calls in Canada or Mexico for that matter. So check with your plan; they'll just make very certain of that. Um, but you know the the obvious need for the internet will be at sea, but uh, it's just one of those things where you know depending on the landscape of the mountains, I mean they literally can block the signal, and then there's just no internet. And when it is working at that latitude, it can be quite slow. So uh, you got to be you know. Yeah, I think again, managing expectations is the key. It'll be anything but what you had on Harmony. But if your goal is to just be able to occasionally check your email, maybe even check in on social media, that'll be fine. But you're not doing FaceTime calls, you're not streaming Netflix, you're not watching me on Periscope or Facebook Live. It's just not like that. And if, like, a lot of times you're just gonna simply put the phone down and say, like, oh, okay, we're taking a break because the internet's telling me I'm taking a break because there is no internet. So <laughs> there you go. Time for one last email. It is from Harriet, who writes, selling on grandeur of the seas. Are there hair dryers available in every room? Thanks. Enjoy your blog and all the great information. Harriet, thank you for the email. Yes, there is. But I will tell you, not as a guy, but I'll say for my wife and a lot of other women I've talked to, that the hair dryers provided are insufficient for most people. It may work for you. I have no idea what your hair is like, anything like that. It's just a very pedestrian hair dryer. It's it's, it's just a, you know, it's not, it's underpowered is the best way to describe it. And my wife certainly wouldn't even think about using that one. She brings her own and a lot of folks do as well. Uh, so I, I think you're, if I were you, my advice to you, and again, I don't use a hair dryer, so I have no idea, but I would still advise you to bring your own hair dryer, even though there is one. I would still advise you to bring one because the one that's provided is not exactly the best in the world. Again, it depends on how thick your hair is and how much hair you have and all those other things. But uh, there is one provided in the room. Yes. All right. Harry, thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking in on this week's episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog podcast. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.